Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Pashas Vayeshev. Pashas Vayeshev, wow, is one of the more difficult parashios in the Torah, whereby we're told at the very beginning of the parasha that Yaakov wished to Vayeshev, time to settle down and maybe have life a little bit easier. And Rashi quotes our rabbis that say, wait a minute, not enough that you're going to get your reward in the next world. Oh my goodness, this world too? This world is for overcoming challenges. And so immediately what do we find? That Yaakov is once again beset with challenges. This time the issue being Yosef and his brothers. The first thing the rabbis teach us is that a parent is not to favor one of their children. That was a mistake that Yaakov made, and we know the consequences thereof. Secondly, and probably most important, as we read Parshas Vayeshev, which, as we know, always comes right at or before Hanukkah, please God, this coming Sunday night. And what do we find in the parsha? The Torah tells us, Yaakov sends Yosef to see how his brothers are doing with their pasturing of the sheep. Yosef goes to Shechem, which is where he was sent to go. They're not there. We know that there's no love between Yosef and his brothers, and so he could very well have gone home. Abba, I couldn't find them. The Torah tells us, out of nowhere, Vayim Ish, a man, quote, discovered him and asked, what are you looking for? I'm looking for my brothers. Oh, they're not here. They have gone to Dosan. Yosef goes after them, the rest is history, thrown in the pit, sold to Mitzrayim. But the most important point that you have to see is ish. God sends the angel Gavriel to be at the right place at the right time to direct destiny of the Jewish people and in truth, that of all of history. We have to get to Egypt. We have to eventually get to Sinai. The world needs the Torah. Our being in Egypt is our preparation for accepting the Torah. How are we going to get to Egypt? It could have been in so many ways. It has to happen. God promised Avraham, in chapter 15 in Bereshis, Pasuk 13, he promised Avraham that your progeny are going to be strangers, enslaved, persecuted in a land which is not theirs. How do we get there? Ouch. We get there by sinas achim. We get there by, unfortunately, hatred of brothers to a brother and we are to learn therefrom how important quote unquote 
shalom bias is in each and every family. So let's begin talking about Hanukkah this coming Sunday night. The Gemara in Shabbos 21b tells us that basically the rabbis established a holiday of Hanukkah because the Greeks had overrun the Beis HaMikdash. And what did they do? And we'll come back to this later on. Timu Kolashmani. They defiled all the oil in the Beis HaMikdash. And when the royal house of Hashmonoim gained control of the Mikdash after three years of battling, they searched the Heichol, the chamber of the Mikdash, which has the menorah, the Shulchan, and the Mizbeach of Ketores, and they could only find one flask, one jar of oil, which the Greeks could not see, it was out of their sight, and this jar had the seal of the Kohen Gadol still intact, while this one jar had the capacity to burn for one day, a miracle occurred, it burned for eight days, and the following year, the Hashmonoyim and the Sanhedrin established these eight days as days of Hallel Vehoda'a festival with regarding Hallel, the recitation of Hallel, and Hoda'a, thanksgiving to God. Now, we know very clearly that we don't just remember Jewish history, we relive Jewish history. The menorah that they had then on Hanukkah and the oil burned for eight days, we do the same to remind ourselves of the miracle that Hashem did for them then as we will recite each night of Hanukkah, the second blessing, then and now. It's so important to keep in mind miracles God did for us then. Thank you, Hashem. And the miracles that He does for us now. As we say every day in the modem. But every day it's become second nature to us. We don't appreciate the fact that we say, for the miracles you do every day. But that is why in our davening, right after Modim, we say, and vi'al hanisim, and specifically for the miracle of Hanukkah. Okay, just understand that very important, a major difference between Hanukkah and Purim, the two rabbinic holidays. Purim, the intent was hashmid larog ul to destroy all Jews, God forbid, like the Germans, Yomach Shemam. Therefore, how do we celebrate Purim? By having a meal, a, a feast. Why? 
because since the body of the Jew was threatened, we celebrate the body. On Hanukkah, if a Jew would say, God forbid, I renounce, I don't keep Shabbos, I don't keep show, uh, kosher, I don't circumcise my children, the Greeks did not bother them. And therefore, how do we celebrate Hanukkah? Not with the body, so there's no obligation to have, quote, Hanukkah parties. There's no obligation to have Hanukkah meals. It's wonderful because people can drive and families get together, which is beautiful. However, when you do so, there should be some divrei Torah, there should be some zemiros in honor of Hanukkah, and that way you elevate that it's not simply a family gathering, which is wonderful, but it's elevated as a meal in honor of the Yom Tov of Hanukkah, in honor of his miracles that he does for us. Okay, a few a review of some of the very basic, important laws of Hanukkah. One, the proper time to light near Hanukkah is with which is the end of Shkia in the New York area, approximately 5 o'clock, either a few minutes at 5, a few minutes later, but at that time is the best time. Whenever you light near Hanukkah, this is all except for next Friday night, that has different rules, the lighting for Shabbos Hanukkah, which we'll talk about next week, please God. But for all of the days of Hanukkah, whenever you light the menorah, as long as you're lighting it after five, it has to be able to burn for a half an hour. Should it go out by itself, somebody inadvertently opens up a window or opens up the door and it goes out, you don't have to relight it. You certainly can, and if you ask me, you should, but you don't have to. Why should you? Because as long as it is lit, there is the concept of pursuing Nisa, publicizing the miracle, which is why we put the Ner Hanukkah in the window where it can't be seen by as many people outside. If, however, one lives in a place where they don't have a window facing the street, then it should be placed in the house where it can be seen by most people. We include that shamus, that additional light near, whether it's higher, lower, etc., near the uh, lights of the menorah, so that if one were to get benefit from the menorah, which we're not permitted to do. Why? Why can't we get benefit from the Hanukkah menorah? Because, two things. Remember, in yesteryear, there was no electricity. Outside, it was pitch black. So unless you lit candles, you wouldn't be able, or uh, oil, you wouldn't be able to see. It was very practical. So, how do we distinguish and show that this is not for our utilitarian, practical use, but it's for the mitzvah, by definition, we don't get benefit therefrom. And the second explanation is very important, that just like in the menorah, in the Beis Hamikdash, in the temple, one was not permitted to get benefit from it, 
so too the menorah that we light in our home, which is not just a remembrance, but bringing sanctity into our home. So that's the best time today. Whenever you light, it has to be able to last for half an hour. Technically, after the half an hour, you can blow them out. Can. Now, you can light these days, meaning now that we have electricity and people are up till much later in the night, as long as people can see it, you can light it. So you get home at one o'clock at night, you shouldn't, because preferably you shouldn't eat before you light near Hanukkah. However, you get home one o'clock at night, if there are people, if you live on a street, their cars can see it, wonderful. The Mishnah Brewer writes, it would be preferable that somebody else was with you to see it. Perhaps, according to the Chafetz Chaim, if it's okay, please just get up. You don't need to put on a bow tie. Just be there when I light the menorah. And others say, including Rav Moshe, Zatzal, that you'd be able to light even by yourself. But whenever you light it, you must be able to last that half hour. Women, rabbinic law is based on biblical law. Biblical law says that women are excused from time-bound mitzvot. So from the letter of the law, the woman is excused from sitting in the sukkah, shaking a lulav, and hearing the shofar. They should be excused from Ner Hanukkah, and they're not. The Talmud says, because because they too were included in the miracle, meaning, one, that the decree against the observance of Judaism was against the women as well. And if a woman uh, said, I am a proud Jewess, and I do keep Shabbos, and I do uh, keep family purity, etc., their lives were at stake. So they too were saved by the miracle of Hanukkah. And the second explanation is that a woman helped bring about the salvation of Hanukkah by Yehudis, the daughter of Yochanan, Kohen Gadol. Unfortunately, the Greeks had a horrific practice that a bride, before her wedding, had to spend a night with the local governor, and she beheaded him and brought this package to her Abba and said, go for it. That's when the war began. So a woman played a very major role in Hanukkah, as Esther did in Purim. Women are obligated. So if a woman is married, when her husband lights the menorah, she is included in his lighting, and therefore does not have to light her own. However, if a woman, A, is alone, she has her own apartment, widowed, divorced, the bottom line is she is alone. She has to light Ner Hanukkah each and every night. First night with three blessings, every other night with two blessings, period. Now, more than that, Ner Hanukkah is an obligation, as you'll see in a moment, on the home. What does that mean? If one lives on a park bench, they don't put a mezuzah on a park bench, and they don't put a Ner Hanukkah on a park bench. You need ner ish ubeso, you need a bias, you need a home. 
Now, let's say, for example, very important, the husband cannot get home tonight. He is stuck in the city because of a snowstorm. No problem. He calls home and he says to his wife, Booby, I cannot make it tonight. I'll sleep by somebody in the city, but I can't be home for the lighting of the menorah. When she lights the menorah at home, he fulfills his commandment. He doesn't have to light. He was, his obligation was fulfilled by his wife in her lighting in the home. That's a very important point. We hope it doesn't come, happen often, but the concept that women are obligated and can even fulfill the mitzvah for her husband. Our Ashkenazic practice is that each of the children light their own menorah. Certainly the males, different customs, different homes about whether girls light the menorah. Whatever your custom is, follow it. On Hanukkah, we include in the Birkas HaMazon, every time we wash and binge, to recite Al-Hanisim. If, however, one forgot, <clears throat> one does not have to repeat the Birkas HaMazon because you weren't obligated to have the meal. Very important point. This Shabbos is not Hanukkah yet. Next Shabbos, which is going to be, please God, Shabbos, Hanukkah, and Rosh Chodesh, make sure you include the Alanisim in your Birkas HaMazon next Shabbos. Now, <clears throat> Hallel, each and every day of Hanukkah, we recite the complete Hallel each day of Hanukkah. And the Kriya Torah of Hanukkah is that we read of the Brach. We read of the gifts and the Siyam who brought each and every day the Korbanos in honor of the dedication of the Mishkan, we read each and every day of the Nesim because Hanukkah is a rededication of the sanctuary. One more point in terms of halacha, Ach Senoi is a guest, a sleepover guest at your home be it during the week, during Shabbos. What do they do? Two options. Either they bring their own menorah and they light by you, or they are mishtate peprute. What does that mean? They give you, prior to your, the balapayas, uh, prior to your lighting of the oil, which is preferable, or candles, prior to your lighting, they'll give you some money, a dime, a quarter. What are they doing this for? They are buying into the candles or the oil so that when you light, you're not lighting yours 
you're lighting hours, hours meaning that which belongs to the homeowner and the guest, and therefore he satisfies his obligation of uh, lighting the nair by becoming a member of the household. Interesting idea, but that's the way we follow if somebody is a guest in someone's home. I just want to conclude with this idea that the rabbis tell us the Greeks were against three things. They were against Shabbos, circumcision, and Rosh Chodesh. Now, very important to know, the Greeks valued knowledge. They were proud of Aristotle, Socrates, Plato. But to them, knowledge was only that which man could understand. We call it Sechel Enushi, the intelligence of man. Jews have, aside from the intelligence of man, Jews have Sechel Eloki, a higher form of knowledge which is divine, coming from God. So therefore, I have kosher milk, I have kosher meat, but I can't mix kosher with kosher. Why not? Because that is a chok, a law, which comes from God in our Torah. That they could not accept. And it bothered them exceedingly, as if to say that we had a higher, which is correct, a higher form of knowledge than they do. And they who were so proud of their quote-unquote knowledge. And therefore, what do we say in the al Thank you, Hashem, for saving us from them who wanted to <clears throat> make us forget, <clears throat> God forbid, the Torah. <clears throat> when you say al say this very slowly. <clears throat> they resented our chukim, our laws, without a reason. Our checking our suits for shatnis. This is what bothered them, made no sense to them. And we say, you're right, we don't have an answer, but we know that it comes from God. And that's why, listen carefully, the Babylonians destroyed the first temple. The Romans, Yamach Shemam, destroyed the second temple. The Greeks defiled. They left the temple intact, but they uh, gave it to us by showing, we'll show you, they said, and just by their touching our, they're rummaging through our oil, that defiled it. The non-Jew has tumor, which defiled it. It was only a miracle that we found and that it lasted, etc. So what's the idea? Shabbos is Shabbos Kodesh, as we know. Mila, before the Moel, does the actual circumcision. What does he say? Bris Kodesh. We're adding Kedusha. The baby boy born of a Jewish mother is already Jewish. The circumcision raises the level of sanctity. And Rosh Chodesh says the Medrash, what is the bracha for Kiddush Levana? The first opinion is 
Mechadesh Chodoshim, renews the months. Second opinion in the Medrash is Mechadesh, imbues holiness into the month. And finally, the third opinion is Mechadesh Yisrael, that God sanctifies the Jewish people. My goodness, how does that explain Kiddush Levana? The Medrash goes on to say, that as God is holy, he imbues the gift of holiness to the Jewish people, who in turn deposit and elevate natural world with holiness. Incredible. Every time we make a bracha, stop and think. You're not only before your coffee, shakol niyebid varo, thanking Hashem for everything, including the coffee you're about to drink, but you are at the same time elevating the natural world around you by imbuing the world with a little bit more holiness. This is true with every bracha. It's true with every davening. That man, and we should keep this in mind, this is Hanukkah. This is what it is to teach us. When we recite the Kiddush tomorrow night, what are we doing? We are a partner with Hashem in creation. And as He, Vayakadesh also, God, literally made the Shabbos holy, by our reciting Kiddush, we are, quote, seconding His motion. Hashem says, please, I want you to second my motion of the sanctity of Shabbos. We, man, has the ability to be Makadesh. Whoa! This is true with marriage. The home becomes a home of Kedusha. Hanukkah equals Kedusha. The Greeks did not want to destroy us. They wanted to eliminate Kedusha from the Jewish people. And Hanukkah says that the Jew and Kedusha are inseparable. Wow, I conclude this Sunday night we have the privilege to recite three blessings. The first one, and we recite the three before we do the lighting, the Hadlik Nair, the privilege of number one, lighting the light of Hanukkah, keeping this going. Secondly, Sha'asanisim, God performed miracles, the victory. The oil, and some say the oil miracle came at this time to remind and convince everyone that the military victory was an incredible miracle. And finally, the privilege of living to another Yom Tov. She'asanisim la, excuse me, she'achiyano v'kiyamano v'higiyano, that he brought us, thank God, to this day. How grateful we are. Ashrinu Matov Chalkenu. Wishing everybody a Shabbat Shalom and a most meaningful Hanukkah. Remembering how Kadosh you are with the capacity to spread Kedusha. Shabbat Shalom to all.